Hey everybody, welcome. Uh, great to have you here at Christ Community Chapel. Welcome those of you over in East Hall, and those of you tuning in. Uh, I love that bumper video. I'm not going to get tired of that all year, but uh, Happy New Year and welcome to 2018. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this year, but we finished 2017 with a bang. I want you to know that. Uh, how many of you were here for Christmas Eve? Raise your hand. How many of you did not, uh, were not able to fit into the sanctuary or East Hall? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to know, we, <clears throat> when I say we ended with a bang, uh, we had 1,200 more people at this campus this past year than we had the year before for Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> we had over uh, 9,300, right around 9,300 people that celebrated uh, Christmas Eve with us here at Christ Community Chapel. And I tell you that for a couple of reasons. One, I want to encourage you, but the other is I want to thank you for trusting us uh, to bring your families. Because I know for some of you it's a risk, right? Your family is in town and you're telling them we're going to go to church and, and then you have to say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, I promise, right? And we want to always be that for you. We want to partner together with you in helping you to bring your family members closer to Jesus. So that's what we want. All right. Uh, and at Christmas Eve, too, it's a time when uh, people end with a flurry of just because gifts to people and uh, acts of random kindness. And so I'm going to read uh, just a couple of those. But before I do, I need to give a shout out to our Edge Middle School ministry just because uh, our middle school kids did something that I thought I think it was extraordinary. Uh, they were challenged to, to bring in, to give up one Christmas gift and bring the money in. Uh, and then they were going to pool the money and buy a refrigerator that cost $900 for First Glance, which is one of our local ministry partners in the inner city. And they did that, and they uh, brought in, uh, they surpassed that goal and were, ended up being able to give $1,423 to First Glance. And I just think that that is uh, amazing. And I want to tell them, great job. Thank you. You guys are awesome. All right, here are a couple of stories real quick. This is from uh, Cheyenne uh, from Cauga Falls. Uh, I was working on Christmas Day at Circle K, which is not fun. And as the day was dragging, this man and little boy walked in and immediately said, we're here for you and proceeded to hand me an extra-large Hershey bar with a Starbucks gift card taped to it and said, Merry Christmas. And then she says this, I'm telling you, these two people made my day. I could never thank you enough. And I wanted to read that just because um, an extra-large Hershey bar made her day. And one of the things that I like about uh, calling the cards just because is that you don't have to just give them at Christmas. You can take a stack and have them with you. And if you feel like somebody needs encouragement, it doesn't take much sometimes. But uh, it's amazing. All right, this is from Lucy in Cauga Falls. I was at Gi Giant Eagle getting food for the week, including Christmas. I didn't have enough money, so I told the cashier to use two cards. A pretty woman with blonde and brown hair said she wanted to pay. I protested, 
but she said she wanted me to have a Merry Christmas. My eyes filled with tears. I was surprised and grateful. I told her I'd never even win anything, much less have a random act of kindness. It's been over two weeks, and I can't stop picturing her. Thank you again, kind stranger. And then finally, this is from Missy in Manaway. I met a woman at a church food giveaway for Thanksgiving. I have to assume that was our Thanksgiving baskets. Recently divorced and out of work, I really appreciated the help. The woman and I exchanged numbers, and some weeks later, she contacted me and told me that she and another family from their church wanted to adopt me and my three children for Christmas. I was blown away. I had no idea how I was going to make Christmas possible. I never imagined how above and beyond they would go. They even got me gifts, a beautiful sweater and jacket. My children kept cheering, Santa is the best. I was so blessed by these families, I could never thank them enough for their generosity and selflessness. I will be forever grateful to them. All right. So thanks again for doing that and the way you ended 2017. And then last weekend, we celebrated with baptisms, which is always great. But now we look towards 2018. And this is where I tell you our theme for 2018. Every year we have a theme, and the reason is because I feel like um, there's a rhythm with church, just like there's a rhythm with breathing. And so some years we try to focus on going outside the walls and having as great an impact as we can out there and be wide in our impact. And that was last year, thy kingdom come. And then some years we try to go deep, uh, to, to dive deeper into the gospel and into our faith so that we get stronger. And that's going to be this year. And we're calling it Transformed in 2018. Transformed in 2018. And sometimes we try to give you different things to help you kind of carry the theme through. And this year it's, it's clothing, which is why I'm wearing this with Transformed on it. And I'm going to tell you in two weeks why we chose clothing this year. But you have to wait for two weeks. All right. The idea for Transformed in 2018, is this. One of the most remarkable claims that Christianity makes is you can change. You can change. Actually, uh, Christianity makes three remarkable claims. You can know God personally. You can change radically. And then God can use you to change the world. You can know God personally you can change radically, and then God can use you to change the world. And it's in that particular order, by the way. If you get those out of order, it will mess you up. In fact, if you get it out of order, it's no longer Christianity, it's something else. Now, there are a lot of people who want to kind of clean up their act before they go to God, and that's out of order. That's every other religion in the world, but it's not Christianity. Christianity says, come as you are to God, and then He will change you. I was just reading uh, this past week <clears throat> in my own quiet time with God. And I was reading the Old Testament, the story of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, it's a great story. They're brothers. Uh, their dad is Isaac. And Jacob uh, desperately wants his dad's blessing. And he knows that his dad wants to bless his older brother Esau. But since Isaac is blind, Jacob figures out a way to trick his father for the blessing. So he goes in to where his father is, and he says, bless me, my father. And Isaac says, who are you? 
And Jacob says, I am Esau. And he fools his father into blessing him. Later on, a couple chapters later, Jacob is wrestling with this mysterious figure called the angel of the Lord. And he asks him the same thing. He wants him to be, he wants to bless, he wants the blessing of this angel of the Lord. So he says, bless me. And the angel of the Lord says, who are you? Same question. And this time Jacob says, I am Jacob. I am Jacob. Because the God of the Bible doesn't, the God of the Bible blesses who you are, not who you wish you were. The God of the Bible blesses who you are, not who you wish you were. All right, back to transformed. What we want to do is, sp- is spend this year trying to figure out what the Bible means when it says stuff like this. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What Paul means in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the month of January, I'm going to be giving kind of an overview of what this year will be like. And what I'm calling this message is simply the need. The need. Three questions that I want to answer. One is why. Why is it that the desire for change is so universal? Why is it that everyone wants to change? Second question, how? How do we know what we should change and what we shouldn't change? And then finally, what? What's the secret for lasting permanent change? What's the secret for transformation? All right? Why, how, what? First, why? Why is it that every person wants to change? Everybody wants to change something. That means there are an awful lot of people that are in the change business, right? Every educator in the change business. Counselors, social workers, psychologists, doctors, pastors, coaches, life coaches, fitness coaches, right? There are all kinds of fitness centers that are packed this month. That's okay. They won't be packed next month, right? (laughs) CrossFit boxes. seems like everybody's either going someplace to change or you're waiting for somebody to come to you so you can help them change. And the question is why? It's a very interesting phenomenon when you think about it. It's a particularly human phenomenon. Because you look at the animal kingdom, they're not desperate to change like human beings. If you read my blogs, you know I, my wife and I like to go for walks. And um, I, was, I just walk and observe things. I was, I was watching squirrels. Squirrels seem very content. Right? There are no like squirrel social workers. There are no squirrel like dietitians. There are no squirrel with pastures even. They're just squirrels. They're just happy being squirrels, but not so with human beings. Every single person here, if I were to give you a piece of paper and said, write down one thing you want to change in 2018, everyone would write something down. Everyone would. And if I said, whatever you write down, by magic, by a snap of my fingers, it will be done, your next question would be, can I write more than one? 
And if you're thinking, I don't think I'd write anything down. You're lying. You should write that down. (laughs) Everybody wants to change, and the question is why? What is it about us? And this is it. Uh, There are two different things, two factors at work all the time in human beings. There's what you are and what you want to be. What you are, what you know you should be, ought to be, could be. And that gap, however big it is, contains all the changes you want to make in your life. One of the many things that I love about the Bible is that the Bible tells me kind of what I experience in my life and what I see to be true around me. And the Bible explains why every human being has that same phenomenon going on inside of them, why you have it, why I have it, why there's what I am, and then there's what I want to be, should be, could be, ought to be. In Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 through 3, it tells us, you're made in the image of God. But something happened to that being made in the image of God, something became distorted and you dropped down here. And so from that moment on, you have had this, this longing. You know, we say the image of God, and I kind of breeze right past that like it's no big thing. But think about that for a minute. You were made in the image of God. You know what that means? You were made for greatness. You were made to be wonderful, to be beautiful. You were made to be worthy, to feel that deep down inside. You were, you were made not just to be loved, but to be lovable. Right? To be in, the, in someone's image means that you reflect what they look like, what they act like. You're made in the image of God. It's, it's like I, I wake up in the morning and I think I should look like this. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. But when I look in the mirror, I look like this. SpongeBob SquarePants. What's sad but true is that the gap between Matthew McConaughey and SpongeBob is not nearly as great as the gap between me and God or the gap between you and God. And we all have this echo, this haunting feeling that we were made to be great. We were made to be wonderful. We were made to feel worthy, to be beautiful, to not just be loved, but be lovable. And that has created this deep, deep desire to change, to somehow recover that. I'm going to read you a passage in Ephesians. It's the way Paul describes kind of some of this of what's going on inside of every human being. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now when he says that, futility means that you try something and it doesn't work, but you keep trying it and it keeps not working. That's futility. Okay, so he says that we try stuff that we think will help and it doesn't help. And he says they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. they become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. I say that because uh, this is the human phenomenon. 
is that we know we were made for the image of God. We were made to be something more than what we, what we are, to experience more than what we experience. And we're down here, and we want to try to fill that gap. We want to, we want to feel what it feels like to be worthy, to be, to be wonderful, to be beautiful. And so we are trying different things to fill that gap. And that's what Paul means in verse 19 when he says they're, they're given over to these things. We give ourselves over to stuff in hopes that we can recover what we've lost. So we give ourselves to our work and think that if we are successful, then we'll feel it. Then we'll feel worthy. Then we'll feel beautiful. Then we'll feel great. Or we give ourselves to relationships. We give ourselves to our husbands or to our wives, to our boyfriends, to our girlfriends, to our children, to our friends. We do all can we give ourselves over to anything that will help fill that gap and make us feel the way we long to feel. And that's the why. That's why every human being wants to change, is desperate to change. And it's also why all the changes that you will try to make in 2018 won't fill that gap. They won't, you, you, won't, you won't do it. You'll say, oh, you know what? If I was just in shape, then I could feel wonderful great, worthy, lovable. But it won't do it because it's, fu- it's futile. Right? Okay, that brings me to the second question. How do you know what to change and what not to change? See, this is the problem. Is that this, is who, this is what you are, but who knows what you should be, what you ought to be, what are you shooting for? And that's an important question because more and more people are trying to think that, say that science has the answers to the problems of mankind, but science can't answer that. It can't tell you what you should be, what you ought to be. Science can't tell you whether you should get a divorce, whether you should have sex, or whether you should look at pornography or cheat on your taxes or forgive someone who has really hurt you. All those are statements of morality, and morality is about what a human being should be. That's a, that's in the realm of religion. Every religion tries to tell you what you need to do to fill that gap to become what you should be, ought to be, could be. And it's not just religions that try to do that. Society, when we talk about, just pick one of the hot topics of our culture right now. Whenever anybody gives an opinion about abortion or sexuality or gender or even racism, they're given statements about what a human being should be, could be, ought to be, what we're shooting for. The unique thing about Christianity is not just that Genesis says we were made in the image of God. The unique thing about Christianity is it says that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was what a human being was supposed to be. So when you talk to a Christian counselor, what the Christian counselor will say is, I know where we're going. I know the changes you have to make because I have the the person that you are going to try to become like. We have the example of what a human being was supposed to be, and that's Jesus. So you look at Jesus' compassion and his love and his goodness and his holiness and his righteousness, and that's where we're going, and that's what you want to be, right? So that's how. Now the question is, what's the secret to lasting change, to really being transformed. And this is interesting because um, most of us, when we have had the experience that, uh, of sinning, 
doing something that we know is wrong, we feel guilty, we repent, we say, oh, listen, forgive me, we ask the person that we hurt to forgive us, and then we ask God to forgive us, and then we do it again. That's not lasting change. So if you have a problem with your temper, let's say, then you, you lose your temper, you say you're sorry, and then you lose your temper again. You haven't been transformed. You know, you, you're more like a, a sinner in remission, right? You're just waiting to sin again. It's just going to happen again. It's like if you're a, a thief. I mean, if you're, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, let, me, uh, let me say it like this. Every religion tells us that oh, you shouldn't lie, Right? That uh, and every, it's not even religion, probably everybody believes that to be a good human being, you should not lie. So you need to quit lying. Now, there are only a few reasons why people will stop lying. The first is fear. You can try to make somebody afraid. That's what we do with our kids. We say, you lie, you're going to get punished. Tell the truth, right? You ever try to do that with kids? You're trying to go, if you'll just tell me, I won't be mad. And you're already mad. <laughs> That's why they go, they keep lying. Anyway, so fear works some, doesn't work great. The, the other one is guilt. You can say good people don't lie. You can feel guilty when you lie, but those do not transform us. The only way you can be transformed is if you rem remove the need to lie. Everybody lies for a reason. Every sin that you do, you do for a reason. But when you lie... You're doing it for, I started trying to think, okay, why, why do people lie? Then I said to think, okay, why do I lie? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't tend to lie, lie. I tend to exaggerate, right? Because, and there's a, there's a difference. Exaggeration is kind of like lying light. It's kind of like um, lying with fewer calories. But it's not as big, it seems like. But it's still, you know, when somebody says I'm an exaggerator, they're saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little liar, right? So... All right, but I was trying to think, why do I exaggerate uh, or when I've exaggerated? And I started thinking back when I was in high school. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, I was uh, playing basketball, and we had a really good team, and so we won a lot of games. And after a win, uh, it was like the whole student body would go to this particular Burger King. It was a blast. I mean, Burger King was just packed. We had a big school, and there was nothing that I enjoyed more than walking into Burger King after a win. Uh, I, had, I felt wonderful. I felt great. I felt worthy. I felt not just loved, I felt lovable. I felt all of that, right? So I'd walk in, and guys would be slapping five and stuff. And then somebody would say, coffee, how many did you score? Now, I was not a scorer, right? So immediately, something was, was happening inside of me. It was like I was getting so close to feeling the way I was made to feel, and then I would start to drop because I'd have to tell somebody how many I scored, and I really wanted to be a scorer, but I wasn't. So this is what I'd do. This is when I would exaggerate. I would say, uh, I don't know. Now, you've got to be careful with something like that because you can't, like, shoot the moon and say, I don't know. I think I scored 40 when you didn't. But, so I would say, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I scored, I don't know, 12, 14. And I would know I scored eight. It's not hard to keep track of eight points, right? <laughs> it's four times two. Right. Why would I say 12 or 14? I did that consistently. Why? Oh, I was longing to feel great, to feel wonderful, 
to feel beautiful, to feel worthy, to not just be loved, but be lovable. I wanted to feel what that felt like. Lying always does something. Jacob, right? Going back to Jacob and Esau, why did he lie? He lied about his identity. Why would he do that to his father? Because he desperately wanted his father's blessing. He wanted his father to say, oh, Jacob, it's you. You're the apple of my eye. I have loved you. I could not love you anymore. I'm so glad you're here. Come, let me bless you. That's what he longed to hear. The secret of Christianity is this. Christianity has the power to change your identity. That's what Paul means when he says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The secret of Christianity is the blessing of the Father. It's the gospel. This is the good news, right? That that you are already loved, that you are already accepted. And this is why, because here you are down here, and here's what you were made to be. And then you have 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. So that when you are in Jesus, when you walk into the presence of God the Father, he says, oh, it's you. You are the apple of my eye. I could not love you more. I am so glad you're here. You are my son. You are my daughter. Let me bless you. Do you see? See, to the extent that you really believe the gospel, that you really understand the gospel, that the gospel goes deep, to the extent that happens in a a one day, in a single day, is the extent that you feel like you don't have to try to fill the gap with anything else. That's That's what Jesus, when he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, that's what he's talking about. So if tomorrow, if every moment of tomorrow, Romans 12, Verse 2, where you you have the transformation, the renewal of your mind, where every moment of tomorrow you think, I'm already accepted. I'm already loved. God himself, because of what Jesus did, looks at me and he says, you are wonderful, you are great, you are worthy, you are beautiful. You're not just loved, you are lovable. If every moment of tomorrow you think that, You won't do a single thing. You won't give yourself over to anything else to try to make you feel like that because you already be there. That's the power of transformation. That's what we're going to try to understand more and more of this year because the Bible makes remarkable claims. You can know God. You can know Him personally. You can change radically because of the identity. When the identity changes, it gives you the power to change everything else about you. And then God can use you to change the world. Transformation. Transformed in 2018. This could be the best year you have ever had, no matter how old you are, because this could be the year that you actually change into the person you want to be, could be, should be, were made to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, come to you, 
and you are uh, the secret. You are the one who did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when we are in you, it changes everything. So I pray that you would help us all, help me, to not try to fill that gap with my own futile attempts, no matter what they may be. But instead, trust that you did it for me, that I'm already accepted and loved. That you will fill us all with the deep conviction that you have paid the price that we needed paid. And now in the, in the eyes of God the Father, we are blessed. Thank you. May this be the best year, 2018, that we've ever had. We pray this in your blessed name.